This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. We jump into the word. Close your eyes with me. Father, we thank you for this moment. God, we just give our building project into your hands. God, we didn't start it and we're not going to finish it. You're the one that's going to start it. You're the one that's going to finish it. Lord, we're just here. We are your hands and feet. And today, God, we intercede, we stand in the gap, we pray and we ask, God, that you will do a mighty, powerful, amazing work in and through our lives. We want to see, God, Lord, that lives changed, lives transformed, people coming to Jesus Christ through this tool of this building that you were blessing us with, God. After two years of, of, of being portable as a church, two and a half years of being portable as a church, I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a space for us to call our own. But I pray that we will be good stewards of it. I thank you, Lord, for the $54,000 that have been raised to date. I thank you for the pledges that have come in and everybody that have pledged an amount to give. I pray, God, that you will enable them, you will strengthen them, you will give them the finances to be able to fulfill those commitments. But God, we give the rest of that amount into your hands and we ask, God, that you will provide for us divine provision. I believe in my heart that you are able, that you have done it before, and that you can do it again. We thank you because you're a faithful God. We, we ask God for, for mediation, God. We ask God that you will come and Lord, you will do what you have to do in this whole situation, God, with, with, with vendors and the asbestos uh, abatement and all of that stuff. We give it into your hands and we ask that all of that will go smooth. We give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you because you are on the throne and that you are to be glorified and that you will be lifted up. All glory and honor be unto you. Lord, as, as we learn the word this morning, would you speak to our hearts? I pray, God, that our hearts will be stirred by the word of God, that, Lord, your, heart, your, your word will come down in power and in might, and that we will be changed, our lives will be changed and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have been in a sermon series over the last 12 weeks uh, I actually was just counting this morning as to how long we've been in this journey. For the last 12 weeks, we've been in this journey uh, of learning from the first letter to the, the church in Thessalonica. The first book of Thessalonians is what we've been learning from. Paul has been writing this letter uh, back to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, he has got a report from his co-laborers, uh, Silas, and he's got, he's got great reports about them, about how the church is thriving, even in the middle, in the midst of persecution and trouble. And it brings him great joy. In the last a few chapters, we've been talking about how God has been encouraging this church through Paul, and, and how God was using Paul and Silas and the church in Thessalonica to change culture to change their world upside down. And today, as we jump into chapter number five, verse 12, I am taking off from where our six and six team left off. Didn't they do an incredible job last week? Yeah, come on, you can do better than that. Didn't they do an incredible job last week? Go ahead and give them a big hand clap. Come on, guys. 
They did amazing. I'm so proud of you guys. Thank you for bringing us the word last Sunday. Somebody asked me during the week, hey, why do y'all do six and six? Uh, I said, because we're, we, we call ourselves Commission Church. And what that is, is we commission people. We want to equip people in order for them to go and take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the world. The great commission of Jesus in Matthew 28 says, go ye therefore into all the world, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can't do that unless and until we equip and we send people. So this is training ground for people to be equipped and sent out. So uh, I am so proud of everybody that stepped up and did their part. Uh, In verse number 12, now the plan for me was to go from 12 to 18 today. I don't know if that's gonna happen because I might stop at 13. Uh, We might only do two verses today. But even though we do two verses, God has put in my heart a message that is very important for the church. And in a few moments, you'll understand why that is important. Follow with me as I I read from verse number 12 and verse number 13. We ask you, brothers, we beseech you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Uh, If you're joining us probably for the first time, like Justina said, welcome to our church. I am so glad that you joined us in service. Um, You know, I'm the lead pastor here. I get this opportunity to lead this amazing church, this two and a half year old infant church, if you may call it. We're so much like the church in Thessalonica, who was an infant church. But I am so grateful that you joined us in service today. Thank you for joining us in service. And if you're not uh, familiar with the way we learn the word here, we do an expository way of studying the word of God, which is we read verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, and we study the Bible in its entirety. We break down scriptures in understandable portions so that you and I can be uplifted on our faith and we can use that for our spiritual advancement through the week and as we grow as Christians. You know, growing up, My parents gave my sister and I more responsibility as we grew up. Uh, As our five-year-old is growing up, we give her certain responsibilities that that she can manage, that she can hold, uh, she can do, she can carry out. Our two-year-old, on the other hand, she has no responsibilities because she has no responsibility. She is a rogue, she is rowdy, she runs around the house, if she finds a crayon, she draws all over the walls, she makes sure that she makes her presence felt in all the wrong ways, and the right ways with her smiles and her charm. But our five-year-old, on the other hand, was started her giving, giving her small responsibilities. Uh, she makes her bed in the morning as soon as she wakes up. She's proud of the fact that she'll come up to me and say, Dad, I made my bed. She helps her mom with the dishes sometimes, along with many other things. But as children grow uh, taller and, and bigger and they advance in age, parents naturally give them more responsibilities. Uh, and for my sister and I, uh, we were pretty much in the same situation. Uh, if my parents were leaving to go somewhere, it could be for the day, it could be to work, and we might be in our summer vacations, or if they were going out of town, they would give us certain instructions, and the instructions would pretty much be, be sure to do this, and be sure to do that. Uh, the instruction to me would be, listen to your sister, and make sure that you do everything she asks you to do. Uh, don't forget to do this. Don't open the door to strangers, and uh, there was a special section dedicated just to me, and my dad made sure that he made 
made eye contact with me when he addressed me, when he said, Ashish, don't watch TV all day. Ashish, don't go out and play without finishing your homework. Ashish, do not fight with your sister. Do not pull her hair. Read this. Don't do that. And the door would close and they would be gone. And they expected us as they were gone to fulfill everything that they told us to do. Which half of the time they would probably be disappointed when, at least when I was concerned because I did what I wanted to do and that was just me growing up. Uh, Jesus changed me, I guess. But uh, Paul, he's like this dad that's walking out of the door and he's hitting them, he's giving them, He's granting to them, he's, he's providing them with these final instructions of saying, hey guys, I'm leaving, I'm not, I probably might not come back, but these are my final commands, these are my final instructions to you as a church. And as we step into this last chapter and this concluding passages over these next two weeks, uh, we're going to understand what Paul is bringing this chapter uh, to words to, for us to understand. The closing verses of chapter number five to which we now come, they're, they're these wonderful practical guidelines on how to live in a Christian manner. In the first part, we'll understand how we have to act towards the leaders of our church. In the second part, we'll, we'll understand how to live with other believers, whether at home or, or work or wherever else. And in the third part of this, this chapter, we'll understand how to live towards God and to respond to the situations where he puts you. You know, this book, to be very honest with you, has been one of the most challenging books to teach for me as a pastor. And I said this a few weeks ago when I had to talk about sexual immorality and we had to talk about some hard-hitting subjects that we would otherwise not discuss at church. This book has been one of the most challenging for me because even this morning, as I was just going over my notes, I was telling myself, Ashish, you need extra grace, and I was praying for extra grace to stand in front of you and tell you what I'm about to tell you. It's gonna take extra grace this morning to look you in the eye and tell you that you need to put me before yourself. It's gonna be a very awkward conversation this morning that will tell you, hey, y'all need to love me. Like, that's not vain. That, that's not, like, prideful. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not something that, that, that you look at him like, huh, what does he think of himself? But hey, it would be not right for me to preach everything in 1 Thessalonians and conveniently skip verse number 12 and verse number 13. So pray for me this morning. Here we go with this. The text is this in verse number 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and over you in the Lord to admonish you. You know, Paul is referring to the elders of the church, the people that led the church every single day in his time. He probably got word from Silas and he got word from the group that was above them that these people were probably not respecting their leaders and not respecting their pastors and not respecting the people that were ministering to them. I'm going to make a statement, and this is very important, church. A healthy church has a healthy respect for the leadership that God has put above them. A healthy church has a healthy respect for the leadership that God has put upon them. Now, this will sound totally abrasive. It will sound totally repelling to a generation that has no clue as to what respect is. 
But this morning, I pray in our hearts that we will be convinced otherwise that we are tasked as Christians and believers to have respect and to honor the leaders that God puts above us. I'm going to give you some stats this morning. 70% of pastors are burning out today in churches. In church ministry, 70% of them are burning out and they're walking out from professional church ministry. 70% of them have no close friend in the church because of how much they're being ostracized within the church. 80% of them, studies show, are suffering and fighting depression on an everyday basis. 80% of them will tell you that they're not content, they're not happy with the way things are going. 50% of pastors will tell you that they can't, if they can figure out another way to replace their income, they will quit ministry immediately. Now here's where I have to interject this morning. I am so glad and grateful, and I probably speak for Sonia and I when I say this, I am so glad and grateful that I don't have to stand up today and say that you are one lousy church and that if, if I had any other way to make a living, I would be up and out of here tomorrow. I am glad, I am grateful, and I am thankful to be able to serve a church like ours. I thank God for the culture of our church. I thank God for the culture of generosity in our church. I thank God for the culture of honor in our church. I thank God for the culture of respect and and, and all of those things that we have in place because we are people that love Jesus with everything that they have without agenda. But it's not whether or not your pastor needs encouragement. It's not whether or not you treat your pastor right or wrong. The fact of the matter is, the text is telling us that it is a command from God that we have to respect and encourage our leaders and our spiritual pastors, our spiritual leaders. This is about your sanctification and my sanctification. It's about you being a better Christian. It's about you becoming the Christian, becoming the believer that God wants you to become. What does respect and appreciate mean? It means to know them. It means to recognize them. It means to be aware of them. It means to not take them for granted. I know churches where pastors are treated like hired servants. They're there to respond to the whims of the board of the church and to vote of the votes of the congregation. And they're treated with little or no respect and at times even severely mistreated. And they still stand and do what God has called them to do. When, when, when Paul is saying to the church in Thessalonica, guys, the first four chapters were flowery. They were dandy. Oh, you guys are this. You guys are that. You guys are giving. You guys are welcoming. You guys are loving. We love what you guys are doing. But here's a healthy church. A healthy church has good enough instruction and encouragement, and it also has a space for admonishment. Come on, am, I, am I talking to somebody? It has a space where leaders can get up and look at you into your spiritual lives, into your lives, and speak life over you, correct you when you go wrong. And this is what Paul is doing right now. He's saying, guys, y'all are an amazing church. Y'all are a model church, and we've studied that at length over four chapters. But here he's stepping in, and he's saying, there's this one thing that we need to get right, and That is when it comes to honor. You know, you can honor, acknowledge, respect us by doing two simple things. You can honor me. If you say, Pastor, what am I doing? What am I not doing? What what can you tell me to do to honor you and respect you? You know what? It's not saluting me. It's not getting up from your seats when I walk into the door. None none of that stuff. 
It's not by calling me pastor or reverend or bishop or any of that stuff. I don't care about any titles. Can I give you two things real quick? Two, two things of this. Don't hide your life from your pastors. Point number one, don't hide your life from your pastors. Nothing is more discouraging when you hide areas of your life that need my help as your pastor. When I ask you, hey, how you doing? Good, 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 pastor. Great, great. I'm, 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 I'm awesome. I'm great. Your wife tells me something else. Brother, I've never been, I've never been better. If my, my job is amazing. No, that's not what I heard. That's not what the Holy Spirit told me in my prayer last night. I'm asking you because the Holy Spirit told me. Am I talking to somebody today? Nothing is more discouraging when you reject help and when you don't ask for help. We have been given the authority from God as pastors, as leaders, as elders of a church. We have been given authority and grace from God to play in your, a role in your life, in your sanctification. It's not something that you're meant to do by yourself. God has put a pastor over you. God has put leaders and elders and spiritual oversight over you so they can come alongside you, join hands, walk along with you in this journey called life. Sometimes it's important to break it down, call, text, email, and say, Pastor, I need your prayers. It encourages me so much when y'all come to me and say, Pastor, we need your prayers as a family. Nothing is more discouraging than you pretending to be okay when everything around you is collapsing and crumbling, when your job is at jeopardy, or your marriage is falling apart, or your children are rebellious, or you are physically deteriorating, and I have no clue what is going on with you. Till everything just goes south, and you're like, Pastor, I haven't told you this for four years, and I just want to pour out my heart right now. I'm like, I was here for four years, and you never said one thing about this. And you know, oftentimes than not, can I say what the excuse is? Oh, Pastor, you have so much on your plate. Pastor, you're so busy, and I don't want to add one more thing to your plate. This place is awfully quiet this morning. You love me. You will honor me. You will respect me when you, you allow me into your life. And you say, Pastor, there's this thing I'm struggling with. There's this sin I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with this in my school, in my college. There's this issue with temptation or lust or, or, or this and this and this that I'm struggling with. Can you come alongside with me and can you pray with me? In fact, this week I got two messages from two different people saying, Pastor, I need your help and I need you to pray for me. And it makes me feel like I'm doing what God has asked me to do. You can never look at me and say, brother, pastor, I don't want to bother you. I, I, I don't want to put another thing on your plate because that is what God has given me the grace for. He does not give me more than I can handle. He knew very well that he can give me the ability to be able to pastor you, to be able to shepherd you, to be able to take your pain, not just my pain, not just my family's pain. He has given me the grace to be able to shoulder and Take on those burdens, stand alongside with you in privacy, in secrecy, and pray with you and your family. That's what God has given me grace for. Never for a moment think that you can evade that. You know, the word that Paul uses over here is that word labor, is this word kopos, is this word called, that, that connects with this word labor and fatigue. 
The root word kopos is used in secular Greek in, 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 in describing a beating or, or weariness. Kopos means to exhibit great effort and exertion to the point of sweat and exhaustion. It means to become physically worn out, weary, or faint. Can I be honest with you guys? Your leaders, your pastors spend hours toiling in difficult and sometimes demeaning work. And when I talk about pastors, I'm not just talking about Pastor Ashish. I'm talking about our children's pastors, our children's leaders, our, our guest connections teams, our production teams. There are people that toil and that work so hard week after week for the kingdom of God. The reason we have a culture of honor here is because we realize that when people work for the Lord, it should never be taken for granted. You should always acknowledge, and I love that our church has that culture of honor within our church. We spend hours toiling, contrary to what people sometimes believe, sometimes people will come to me, man, you're a pastor, your job must be easy. Because a lot of people think, yeah, we just do this two-hour thing on a Sunday morning and we're, we're done, we're, we're good. And throughout the week, we're like playing golf and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, bro, like, you want to like, do pastor swap? They do this wife swap thing on TLC. I'm like, you want to do pastor swap? We, we could do it. I have no problem. Not, not that I'm saying that what you do is not good, but, but it's, it's hard. So, you know, someone told me the other day, man, you know, you're, you're a pastor. I, it, it might not be hard. You're a people person. You love people. And I had to chuckle and have them have their moment of, of whatever they were feeling at that moment. But in my heart, I was like, man, only if you knew. I have a great amount of love and respect for my co-pastor, my wife. She never asked to be called that. She shies away from that. She doesn't have a title. She doesn't want one. She doesn't want to be called pastor, but she does more than me along with so many elders over here, so many leaders in this building. She does more than I do in a week for the kingdom of God. She's a mom, works a nine-to-five job that is stressful. She makes sure that we have food on the table, all while making sure that the wheels of the church ministry keep turning. I often say that she has two screens for work. One is her work email, and the other one's supposed to be her work email, but it's Commission Church Planning Center working every day, all day, to make sure that we have things going day after day. Or it's planning with Priya to make sure that our kids' ministry has an excellent church experience or, or service experience on a Sunday morning. Or our kids' leaders working hour after hour, having a uh, part-time job, full-time school to make sure that they produce an excellent worship experience for your children when they walk out, when, when they walk into this building. Or it's people in the production team that, that, that work hard week after week to make sure that y'all are fed, that you have what it takes. And why do I say this? Because... We are not burdened when you allow us to walk into your lives. It's okay because that's what we were called to do. Give us that privilege. Give us that honor. The second thing is not just tell us what's bad with you. Not, not just let us in on what's going on that's bad with you. But the second thing is tell us when God is actually working in your life. We get excited when we hear about the small victories. We, hear, we get excited about the small promotions. We, we get excited about the raises you get at jo your job. We get excited about the milestones that your kids uh, go through. We get excited about the small things, y'all. 
When people share testimonies of what God is doing in their life and how we have a role to play in it, it gets us excited. You know, it, not because it, it gives us a sense of pride. You know the number of times, Vicky, have heard people come up to me and say, man, I, I just don't tell you things because I don't, want to get, I don't want it to get to your head. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, seriously? I'm like, your encouragement is going to give me wings to fly? Is that what you think? Like, when you say something nice about, you know, something that goes on in your life, something that I prayed with you about on a Sunday morning, or something that Jeff and Vicky prayed with you about on a Sunday morning, and when you go up to them and share your testimony the week after, or two months down the line, saying, hey, you won't believe what happened. You think they, it's like Red Bull, they get wings and they start, no, no, it doesn't work that way. It's not a matter of pride, man. It's not. Your encouragement isn't Red Bull. I don't think it has wings. We want to honor the Lord in and through our lives. That's what we want to do. When we hear victories, when we hear testimonies, every single time we hear something nice, it doesn't boost my self-image. It's the exact opposite. Listen with me for just a minute here. Listen where I'm going with this. It's just the opposite. What do you mean, Pastor Ashish? I know I don't have it all together. I know that I am not perfect. And yet, yet, Jeff, yet, when one of you come up to me and share about something that God is doing in your life, it makes me excited that God did that for you through me despite of my imperfections, despite of my shortcomings, despite of my sin, and it gives me an opportunity to say, but for God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't give me wings. It gives him the glory. I hope you're following along with me today. It gives an opportunity for God to get the glory. It gives, it gives God the opportunity to take center stage when you share your testimony with others, when you put it out there and say, God did this for me and this for me. It's another opportunity for humility when I say, thank you, Jesus, because you're using me like you said you were gonna use me. Three years ago, when, when, when God told us to plant a church, we ran away from that idea. For those of y'all who have been through GrowTrack, you'll have heard our story. We said no, we ran away from it. We said, no, God, you, you can call us as missionaries. We'll go to Africa. You will, well, you know, we'll, we'll be evangelists. We'll travel the world. It doesn't matter. Send us wherever you want. We don't want to pastor a church. And it was simply because we have been in pastoral ministry, I have seen pastoral ministry, and I've seen pastors get walked over, trampled over, and I said, I don't want to be a pastor. But God has a sense of humor. He says, I don't see what you want, I see your heart, and you have a pastoral heart, and because of that, I want you to be a pastor. No matter how much we ran from it, he said, no, you got this, Ashish. You got this. And every single time something, we get to rejoice with one of you, it gives us a confirmation, yes, Lord, thank you. You are doing through me what you said you will do. When somebody comes and tells me that your lives are being changed and transformed and you're, you're going through something in your life and, and God did something and prayers worked, it makes me excited that God did that for you through me despite of me and in spite of me. It makes me tell myself I'm not going to give up. It makes me tell myself 
press on because I know I'm doing this and I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish what I've started, Lord. And I'm not doing this because, not because of circumstances and not because of all the other stuff that goes on. It's because God called me to it. And I know that if God called me to it, I am going to be faithful to it. Include us in your lives. If we don't hear anything, you, you know what we begin to do? We begin to get off the stage on Sunday and wonder if God is even using us. How many of y'all go through Monday blues? Y'all do? Think about Monday blues, 10 times worse for pastors. Because all we're doing is getting off and we're like, oh Lord, is, is, this, is this working? Is, is, is God still calling me to be a pastor? Is my time in pastoral ministry done? Am I supposed to keep doing this? Why am I here? And then I start making up stuff about myself and stuff about who I can be and, and who I need to be and what I need to boost up my self-image. And, and then is when pride and ego sets in because I start defining who I am rather than God telling me, hey, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do and you are where you're supposed to be. And it's not because I want plaudits. It's not because I want applause. Trust me, this is not what this message is about. I really hope y'all are sitting there and understanding my heart behind this message. This is far from Pastor Ashish, you look amazing today. This is far from Pastor Ashish, I loved your message today. It's far from Pastor Ashish, thank you for doing this. So thank you. It's far beyond the pastor's appreciation day of applauses. No, I'm not telling you to do that more often. That's not, I'm, I'm hoping that you get the message behind this. I can explain it very easy in the, in the story of Henry C. Morrison. And some of you probably know this man was, he's a little known hard worker in God's missionary fields and toiled around 40 years in the difficult fields of Africa. And the story is told of how he became sick and he had to return back home with a virus. And as he was coming back to America, as Providence would have it, the boat that he returned on was also carrying a well-known guest. This big ocean liner goes and docks itself in the New York Harbor. And there was this great crowd cheering and, 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 and cheering as the boat was docked. And he was like, man, these people are here, they're here for me. Like, have you been there? Like, guys, have you ever been there? You're like, you're in a crowd and there's this girl across the room and she's like, hi. And you're like, me? 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 And then she goes, and you're like, ah, crushed. He was like, man, these people are here for me. But little did he know that President Teddy Roosevelt, who received a grand welcome party, a home party after his widely publicized African safari, was on the same boat as him. And these people were clapping because he came back safe from his safari. Henry Morrison went back home looked at God and said, man, I have come back home after all this time and service to the church and the ministry and there's not one, not even one person here to welcome me home. And there was a small voice that spoke to him and he reminded him and said, you're not home yet. If that doesn't get to you, and if that doesn't convey the message I'm trying to communicate, this morning you won't understand anything else. 
My home is not in plaudits. My home is not in applauses. My home is not in good, feel-good messages and texts. All that's great and all this encouragement is good, but I remind myself day after day, especially as we study for Thessalonians, that our home as Christians is not here. Our applause is not here. One day, I am excited about the idea that I get to stand before Jesus and he will applaud and he will welcome me home. So it's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about that. Our ultimate harvest is yet future. The, the, the future and our future reward is outside of this world. Verse number 13, the Bible says, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work Esteem them highly in love. He doesn't even say esteem them in love. He said esteem your pastors highly in love. But son, you're supposed to highly in like like adore me highly in love. Am I talking to somebody here? Anu, you're supposed to highly adore me. Like, Like literally, this is what Paul is trying to say. It doesn't get more awkward than this, Jeff. It does not, because I'm trying to look at you and say, love me, please. Please love me. But get the message this morning. Please, do not walk out of these doors without getting the message. We respect and honor leadership, not because of the way they look, not because of who they are, not because of the way they speak, not because of the... Uh, they're, they're, speaking ability or their, 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 their knowledge of the word, we respect and honor leadership because of the work God is doing through them. That's what that verse says. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. They do what God is asking them to do. And you know what that means? God asks us sometimes to be nice, to be loving. Love us at that point in time when we're loving. And sometimes God is gonna be like, admonish him. Go up to her and tell her that she needs to change what she's doing. And you have to love me when I do that too. That's what that scripture is saying. You have not just love me, what? Highly love me. When, my, when God gives me the ability to come up to you and say, Jeff, we need to have a heart and heart. The Holy Spirit told me that we need to have a conversation. You need to be like, Pastor, tell me what the Holy Spirit told me, and I'm not going to hate you after that. We're going to hug it out, and we're going to say, if the Holy Spirit said that, I'm going to accept that. Maybe something needs to change. That is the heart of humility. You know, the other day I was in a pastor's meeting where pastors were talking to one another about you know, what they wanted prayers for. And someone actually asked me how being a pastor was. And I'm probably one of the younger pastors in that group. And they asked me, how, how, how is it being a pastor? And my response was this, and I, and I don't even kid you. I, I told them I can't even begin to measure how much the commission family loves our family. I, no cap, I'm, I'm, I'm being very honest with you this morning. This is as honest as I can be. I cannot measure, Sonia and I cannot measure by any standards how much we are loved, our children and us individually. We are loved by you guys. You know, what kind of pastor do you want 
the 80% that hates what he does, depressed and wants to quit? Because 80% of pastors actually say that they only read their Bibles when they prepare for their sermon. What kind of pastor wants to read their Bible when all week long they are walking on eggshells being chewed up and spat out by people that need to love them and honor them? I don't have to worry about that. I don't. But I'm, 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 I'm giving you the warning as Paul is giving the church and I, and I thank God for the culture of honor in this church and I'm, I'm just letting you know that that's, you're, you're, you're doing it the way God wants you to do it and I pray that you will keep doing that so your pastor will be able to come up here Sunday after Sunday and be able to break down the word for you and to be able to preach the word for you prepared and ready to go. Do you want that 80% our pastor? Or do you want that your pastor in the top 20%? I'm in the top 20%. Help me stay there today. Look at somebody next to you and say, help him stay there. No, I said, look at somebody and say, help him stay there. Like I said, it's awkward. It's awkward to say, please love us. But the word esteem there has two basic meanings. Like it's like a homonym and in English, you know, it's similar to the word address where uh, there's, you know, you, you speak of, uh, you know, it, one refers to speaking to somebody and the other one is a location. And, and this word address means two things. One is it, it's to lead as one would do in a, super, a supervisory capacity. And the second meaning is to engage in an intellectual process. And in the present context, Paul is calling for saints to make a conscious judgment of their leaders after deliberately weighing the facts. Why do we esteem them? Because of their calling. It's so important to look at what somebody is going through and, and estimate the facts, take into conclusion and take into consideration every single thing that is going on around them. Do you know your leaders were called to abandon everything to follow the call of God? Here's what people think. Can I debunk something this morning? Here's what people think. People think respect or love means to put pastors on a pedestal. Okay? People think that respect and love is by walking around talking good about them or revering, revering them. Now, now, one of the ways in which the church thought, you know, through the centuries actually, Right, has tried to do this is by giving their leaders rather high-sounding titles. Like reverend. The right reverend. The holy father. Bishop. Pastor Emeritus. Paul is not talking about that. Like how many of y'all have heard of a title at some job that you've had that was so meaningless? You hear about that very often, right? Those of y'all who work in corporate America, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Forget corporate America. In my first job, when I was in graduate school, my first job here in the U.S., I was lucky to get a job. And I was, um, you know, and, uh, they, they, the title was librarian associate. What did I do? I checked people's books out. I said hi to them when they walked in. I put books back on the shelf, but I was a librarian associate, right? My friend was in the same school. He was a building maintenance consultant. What did he do? He was a janitor. Titles are, are 
deceiving sometimes. Uh, and, and nothing against janitors. I have nothing against them, but you know, titles are very, very. I've always appreciated the fact that over the last three years that I've been here and, and I've been your pastor, I've been called Ashish by so many of you, and I love that. I have no problem with that. There are people that call me pastor. I have no problem with that. There are, there are people that take both pastor and Ashish and put it together and call me Pash, and I have no problem with that. I am not even kidding. Some of y'all think it's a joke. Go back there, and you will see a few people calling me Pash. Okay? I have no problem with that. Some people call me dude. I'm okay with that. Doesn't matter. There are people in this church that have walked up to people and said, how dare you call him ostrich? I am okay with that. You know, it's not, I'm not saying that calling me pastor is bad or calling me this or that is bad. I, but I noticed in the New Testament that the early church, church leaders, even the mighty apostles of our Lord and the ones that healed and, and all of that stuff and planted churches were called by their first names. It's not about the titles. We're talking about the Pauls and the Peters and the Johns. It was not, it was the church later on came and gave them the titles because that was something that they thought that they needed. But that's, that's not, it's most appropriate that, that we call leaders by their real names. And I'm okay with that because I don't want to be glorified by a title. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about love and respect. To esteem them very highly is being, is, and, and, and Paul explains that. How can you esteem them very highly? Here, this, this, this way. Are you ready for this? Now, y'all, y'all got to be giving me permission for this. Are you ready for this? Okay. This is how you esteem somebody very highly. By being at peace with one another. I heard two amens and one mm. I'm pretty sure it was my wife that said, "Mm." (laughs) Paul says, you know how you could put me in high esteem? Very easy. Y'all need to figure things out amongst yourselves. That's it. You want to know the number one reason why pastors are bailing on church ministry? Here it is. Because of conflict with church members and among church members. Can we have real conversations this morning? I got one amen. I'll take one permission. That's good. Do you want to demonstrate love beyond measure for your pastors? Then pursue peace without measure. I cannot stand when I hear about conflict among you. And I'm just being, I'm opening up my heart. Can you give me permission to open up my heart this morning? And I need y'all to hear this. If somebody's not attending service this morning, I need y'all to forward this video, give them the timestamp of exactly when we're starting 1124, we're starting this conversation, all right? If you wanna demonstrate love without measure, it is so easy as you resolving conflict among yourself. I can't help. But when people say, so-and-so said this, and such-and-such, and so-and-so said, and, and so-and-so looked at me a certain way, and so-and-so said this, and I was offended, and don't talk to so-and-so, and so-and-so got mad at so-and-so, and, and so-and-so won't come back to church because so-and-so doesn't like so-and-so, and they don't want to sit there. Are you serious? Like, like seriously? Seriously? 
I'm like, man, grow up. What is wrong with us? It drives me crazy when I have to get involved with that. And trust me, when you say, what you say to one person gets around and eventually to my ears. And that's what probably weighs me down during the week. That's what takes me away from reading the word and praying for you and interceding for you because I'm here praying for your peace. It's quiet in here. You know what blesses us? You know what makes me happy? When I hear so-and-so got mad and so-and-so was, was upset, but so-and-so met so-and-so and they talked it out, they prayed with each other, they repented, they confessed of their sin, asked for forgiveness, and now they're good. It makes me happy! Woohoo! Pursue peace in your marriages. Nothing is more harmful and destructive to the church and the advancement of the gospel when Christian marriages are in conflict and in, and in, hazard, in hazardous conditions and husbands and wives are not pursuing peace with each other intentionally or unintentionally. It's harmful. I'm not advocating for a perfect marriage this morning. If you spend enough time with Sonia and I, you know that we have, we have issues of our own and we are just like any other couples. We're not perfect by any standard and we make every effort to pursue peace. Living at peace is from this Greek word, "iro" to join and to bind together that which has been, has been separated. It literally pictures this binding or joining together again of that which has been separated and divided. Do you want to honor me? Do you want to highly esteem me? If you have an issue with somebody in this church, I want you to take that upon yourself to go and have a conversation with that person and say, hey, I think there's some tension going on over here. How can we take these two pieces that are separated and how can we put it back together in the love of Jesus? Oh man, that will give me so much joy. It will give me so much happiness. We're a healthy church filled with peacemakers. And I don't say that lightly. Peacemakers can identify and spot a divisive spirit from a mile away. If anyone comes up to you and tries to cause division among the body of Christ by speaking ill about someone and telling you not to get close to them or this or that, see it from a mile away and say, I want you to stop right there. I don't care. I don't want to know what you want to tell me. It is not my business. I don't want anything to do with it. If you have an issue with so-and-so, go and deal with it. Talk about it. Ask for forgiveness. Move on or talk to pastor about it. Because that's a part of our admonishing. In Titus chapter 3, I'm, I'm, I'm ending with this and worship team, y'all can come up. Titus chapter number 3, verses 9 to 11 or 10. Let's go to 10. It says this, but avoid foolish controversies. Do we hear that? Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Uh, Paul, of course, is talking uh, to, uh, to, to, to Titus and, and telling him about the church's situation there, about how they were talking about, oh, this is who I came from, and this is who my father is, and this is my father's father, and you know who I am, and you know what spiritual standing I have, or do you know how much wealth I have, or do you know that I follow the law, and, and all of this stuff, and do you know how much of a Christian I am? Verse 10, as for a person who stirs up division... 
Now listen to this. As for the person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Baseball. Strike one, strike two, strike three, you're... Now here's what I want to tell you. This is very biblical. If someone approaches you with a divisive spirit, address it with them immediately. If you're in the body of Christ, be conscious about what conversations can destroy the body of Christ. If you have a problem with somebody, go and talk to them directly. Don't talk to them behind their backs. Don't say something about someone that you won't say to their face. You know, in in military terms, if a soldier is not walking in order, you know what that's called? It's called insubordination. You know what insubordination can do to a soldier? It can get him kicked out. Because a unit cannot be effective. It cannot be an effective fighting unit unless and until everyone is in unity. Paul says, show them the door because because you love them. Because you love them, show them the door. Because they are dividing the body of Christ, show them the door. Because what does Christ do? Christ, out of the love of his sheep, when he sees the shepherd, when he sees one sheep straying, he will poke them and, and hurt them and they will let out a bleat, but it's because he has the ability that one sheep will have the ability to lead other people, other sheep astray. Am I talking to somebody? So he will do anything in his ability to redirect the sheep before he has the ability to redirect the others. A church that is not united is a divided, chaotic, toxic, social group of people. I'm going to say that one more time. And I hope that you will not fall in this category. A church that is divided, a church that is not united, is a divided, chaotic, toxic, social group of people. It's not a spiritual body. It's not the body of Christ. We all get hurt at some point in time in our lives. So many people have got hurt in church. There's so many people that have quit church, walked out of church, never want anything to do again with church because they've been hurt in church. And next week in verse number 15 going down, we'll, we'll study as to what we do. How do we handle that? What do we do when we do get hurt? But this morning, can you stand up to your feet with me this morning? As we pray about this word, what about this word can you take and say, This is for me. Is there any part of this word remotely that you need to say, you know what? I need to get better at this. I need to do this better. As your pastor, I want to be in that 20%. psychologically or mentally sick because I am not doing what God has called me to do and because everything that's going on around and inside the church weighs me down never happened it's not happened till today 
and I hope it never will. At our church, we have a great culture of honor, generosity, love, respect, kindness. I can go on and on and on and on. And this is not to boost anybody's image. This is just to tell you what it is. You know, sometimes you do notice that where there are sometimes people that want to start stuff. Some people are just anointed to start stuff, Jeff. I don't know. It's like a special calling in their lives, Basant. Special calling in their lives. They're like, anywhere you put me, I'm going to start stuff. We need to have some special fasting prayers for those people. Call them in, lay hands on them, pray for them. I kid you, but, but here's my thing. I pray that we will be a church that knows that we're just not a group of people that come together and do church, that we are the body of Christ. That we are the body, we are his bride. That we are called to be holy and sanctified. And this is a part of our sanctification is by making sure that we honor our leaders, honor your pastors. Make sure that you are not a burden to them in the wrong ways. I told you what is the burden in the wrong and what is the burden in the right. We want the right burden. We want you to invite us into our lives and say, Pastor, we don't have it together. Pastor, our marriage needs help. I want you to invite us in and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for my help. I need you to pray for this and this and this. And trust me, Sonia and I are joining hands for you and praying for you throughout the week. In our personal prayer times, when we pray together, we're praying for you because we know that there's power in prayer and that God has called us and given us the ability. Please, at no point of time, say, Pastor, this is too much for you to handle. I don't think I, you have so much to do. I might take a day to respond to you. In fact, I had to message somebody yesterday and say, hey, you know what? I need, I need a few more days to just to pen down what I'm thinking and, and get back to you about this. And it, it might be, but know that I'm praying for you. Know that my pastor's heart is here yearning for you, loving on you. Sonia and I value privacy. We value every single thing that is told to us with the utmost, uh, I'm just going to say privacy because it's, it's important to us. Not one of you will hear us ever coming up to one, any of you and talking about somebody else's personal issues with, with a second, third person, doesn't matter who it is. We'll never hear that. It will never, ever happen. Because God has given us the ability to be able to say, I'm here for you in your tough times, in your hard times, in your good times. We want to be able to shoulder that with you. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.